Moscow spinning. Look at the uh, job to create space. Put it in the book and send that young man to the line. Boy, is he fun to watch. Three fifty-one. Tony Allen slapped away by Carly Stein to the floor. He dives. What an effort! Collison, the lob. Oh, beautiful basketball by the King. Richardson changing directions and getting to the basket and scoring. How about the rookie Malachi Richards? You're now listening to the King's Court on Dash Radio, presented by SatKingsNation.com. Here are your hosts, Vince Miracle and Joe Morgan. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the King's Court here on Dash Radio. I'm your host, Vince Miracle. Joining me this week, and once again, from Sacktown Royalty, the Couch Scout, Brian West. <laughs> Brian, how you doing? <laughs> I like that. That's better than Armchair Scout. No, the Couch I Scout think, sounds better, bro, for sure. I think I got to get that on the jersey. <laughs> how you doing? How, 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 how do you feel since the last time I talked to you, uh, the Kings were about to hopefully draft Luka Doncic, but then uh, who who you really wanted them to draft, and now they have actually drafted Marvin Bagley. We've seen two games. How do you feel? Uh, pretty much how I feel every summer league. Um, there's no reason for serious pessimism going forward. Uh, but these guys are young, and the most important thing, especially with Marvin Bagley, is Kings fans just need to go into his development with a, uh, a large amount of patience because I think the biggest thing that he showcased tonight is his skill set definitely hasn't caught up to his athletic gifts yet. doesn't mean that they won't. I think he's going to be a really good player going forward, but uh, he's definitely, definitely a rookie playing in his second summer league game. Oh, yeah, and... You know, for for me, I, I, I knew like leading up to it, I knew that was going to be the case. Like, I, I even tweeted about it that that you know I, I don't I don't like to you know say that I know things, but I, you know I was talking to a friend. And they're like, yeah, they're still leaning toward Bagley, and I was like, hmm, is there any way Luka Doncic can come in there? And it just it just wouldn't happen. But you know, the Kings drafted Marvin Bagley, as we now know. We've seen two games of him, and. I don't think my thoughts of him have actually changed other than the fact that it's good to see him bring the energy on defense, which, I mean, you and I talked about, Brian, that was everybody's biggest concern about Bagley is, is he going to bring that defensive effort? Is, you know, maybe the the way that he was coached at Duke, the reason why his, his defensive, you know, numbers were so bad, but you're seeing him here in summer league, and the first game, I think he got like three and a half blocks. If you want to count the one that actually turned into a foul, foul on Giles, and then he got two today. Uh, and we're recording this on Tuesday, July third, and you guys are hearing it on the fourth of July. So happy Fourth of July, everyone! But are you in, are you more optimistic about his defense after seeing these two games? I think I'm about the same as I was going in. It's certainly nice to see him get uh, five blocks in those two games. As uh, my buddy Tim Maxwell pointed out, you know he had just 29 total blocks at Duke, so it's good to see him getting those numbers. But just with the rest of his game, there's just got to be patience because as much as he tries on defense, I've said this from the beginning of his Duke career, his issues on defense are technical, and I don't think they're motivational. Uh, he's just really raw. He's just figuring out how to play defense. 
He's just figuring out how to attack the right angles to slide with guys. He's just figuring it all out. And the hardest position in the NBA to figure out is a big guy. It's going to be a while. Um, I'm no higher or lower on his defense than I was uh, come draft day. I think it'll be a good year and a half before we really see how effective a defender Marvin Bagley can be. Let's start off with Monday's game. Like, I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Let's let's break down game by game because you and I, we just wrapped up watching the Warriors versus the Kings where the Kings just got beat. So let's go back to Monday where the Kings won against the Lakers in their very first preseason game at Golden 1 Center. Um, you know, it, it was definitely a fun game. Fox led the team with 23 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. Bagley put on a show, had that dunk that SportsCenter was talking about as a potential SC top 10 with 18 points, 6 rebounds, and again, those 3 blocks. Giles was impressive with 13 points. Frank Mason, who was at shooting guard to start the game with 16 points and 9 assists. I mean, overall, that that, that was a very impressive first game from this, this young Kings team, but looking at Monday's game, what was your biggest takeaway from that game? I think the biggest takeaway from that game is just how confident Harry Giles looks. Um, When he was at Duke, the main takeaway that I took from him was he just didn't look exceptionally confident out there. And you can't hardly blame him considering all the injury concerns he had and you know, he, he probably was worried about how that would affect his draft stock. Um, and so he just, he's just totally a different player now. That year off has really paid off. Sacramento's plan for Giles is, is proving to be the right one. Um, he's just playing with, even tonight when he struggled, he's just playing with such confidence and effort. It's just a wrecking ball on defense. It's fantastic to see because there's nothing more you want to see from a guy that promising, you know, that highest ceiling than the confidence that he knows he's one of the best players on the court. That's all you can ask for going forward. For me, my biggest takeaway from that game was, of course, you know, Harry Giles, how impressive he was offensively. But I think for me, it was De'Aaron Fox and how poised he was already and it felt like the season just ended not that long ago and he's already coming in as a brand new player I mean the upper strength that he had to finish on a lot of those drives of the basket taking it with contact and then finishing for an and one you know just how he was finding guys and just playing within the offense while also dictating the offense I was very impressed with De'Aaron Fox and how he was running the game Uh, it was unfortunate that he was out Tuesday's game with a sore left Achilles and he's questionable going into Thursday's game Uh, I mean I I do have a question about Giles, though, and I'm I'm glad I have you on because, you know, like I like you like I said, you're a couch scout, and this is this is something that worries me a little bit, and that is, we've seen Giles play now two games, both games, rebounding wise, he wasn't there. I think the effort is there. I think he wants to be a presence on defense. I think offensively, he has shown a lot of potential in multiple different places, both as a shooter and with his back to the basket, and potentially even as a passer. But rebounding-wise, it just hasn't been there. Do, are you worried about that aspect of his game yet, or are you saying still tap the brakes because it's summer league? It's too early to tell. They're doing so many different things with the offense right now. I mean, uh, every time I looked up on defense, it seemed like Harry Giles was just running around or, or switching onto some guard and doing pretty well on the switches, which was fantastic to see. Um, it, it's hard for me to get too worried about 
how a young guy will rebound in summer league because it, there's just so many variables that are different. Um, now, if, if this is you know a couple months from now and he's still rebounding like this, it'll certainly be a concern. But like I said, there's just too much up in the air for the, the type of games that these are to really be too concerned about any aspect of these players and the 80 minutes we've seen from them so far. I will say this. There's a. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm a little questionable on the rebounding. Not because I don't think he can do it. I just don't know. I mean, I just haven't seen it yet, and I want to see what he has to bring on all levels. Just because there was so much hype on him. So if they're gonna, it, you know, how the Kings were promoting and the and the media was promoting how much, you know, how much of a player and how much of an impact this guy could bring. I want to see it on all levels. And of course, it's only just two games, so I'm not asking for it all at once but you know coming into third going into thursday's game i want to see some type of rebounding numbers well at least above five and I, we haven't even seen that yet uh another thing i'm worried about with giles and i want to see if you think the same thing is it seems like he is again overexcited i think doug okay. probably, uh talked about it too on the telecast where he's just saying that he needs to get his nba legs under him he might get a little winded but for me i don't think it's going to be about getting winded i think he's been through enough practices he's been running enough to where he's conditioned for an nba game what i'm worried about with him and i've seen it a lot especially on the defensive end is he wants to be that presence he wants to bring that energy and sometimes he puts himself in situations where there's a chance. I, I mean, I get worried sometimes when he jumps and he flings his body around a little bit. I'm not, and maybe it's just because the injury concerns are there. But are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, where sometimes he's just fling his body into situations that maybe he shouldn't be doing that just quite yet, and he needs to, you need he needs to learn how to haul it in just a little bit. Well, some of that I think goes back to the confidence point I talked about earlier, because you you know a guy who has this injury concern wouldn't normally be flinging himself around like that just because you know there's got to be some hesitancy that you're feeling that I'm sure you know most guys with his injury history would be feeling there's got to be some worry that you know whenever you go up like that you're going to hurt yourself but just for a young guy you can't you can't hold back that enthusiasm especially on defense where I think he's been most successful Um, like you talked about earlier he's definitely overly aggressive on offense He's certainly rushing as soon as he gets that ball. He might be making the right plays, but he's just rushing himself so fast that he's just cutting his efficiency in half. Um, It's going to be important going forward over these last, I think, six summer league games and going into the preseason to see him kind of slow down and, hey, you know what, basketball's not going to be taken away from you again. you just got to be patient and and make the right play. but I, I can't ask a guy to play with less enthusiasm because of injury worries or you're going to be taking away what is probably the best aspect of Harry Giles right now, and that's his enthusiasm. Marvin Bagley scores 18 points in his rookie debut uh, at first, or should I say summer league debut. Uh, 18.6 rebounds, those three blocks, again, what we talked about were pretty impressive just to see the energy he brought out. But, I mean... I I don't know. I'm still worried about him. Even with that energy, a lot of his shots, it, it, it seemed like it's going to come off of those lobs. It's going to come off of just straight instincts. And if he can get 18 points that or 16 points that way, you know, and, and grab, you know, six rebounds or seven rebounds like he did today, that's a, that's good. 
but it seems like he's still going to be needing to get to that left hand more than anything else. That jump shot does is still worrisome to me. Again, two games. I'm taking, of course, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. But he's a number two pick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at him in that way as this is you know when you draft him at number two and the way that the Kings talk about him, they they're pretty high on him. So if they're gonna be that high, I'm gonna scout him highly. And I'm still, I'm still a little worried. I, me personally, are you still a little worried? Or like, I guess I asked you this in the beginning, but I, I'm gonna re-ask it. Is, are you more optimistic now, more than ever, just because of the game that you saw today, where he, he did struggle, but he was aggressive, and then also in game one, where again he came out with that energy. That first quarter was amazing. The three-point shot, the dunks, the potential that you saw. Again, are you just more optimistic now, or are you still a little hesitant to what? you know, he can bring to the NBA floor? I think his number two overall selection is probably painted too uh, optimistic a overview into Marvin Bagley because I think he's more raw than many people expect him to be. His creation skills definitely haven't caught up with his athletic gifts yet. Um, and as you talked about, that reliance on his left hand is absolutely the biggest concern in his offense going forward um there was a couple passes that were thrown at him today and and even catching passes he's so quick to to move with his left hand instead of just trying to catch the simple pass everything's got to go left and that's concerning going forward um his offense is certainly telegraphed and a smart defender like jordan bell is going to take advantage of well, I know what this young guy's going to do here. I can probably get in his way and bother him, especially if he's going to go with his left. It, it's going to be a while before Marvin Bagley really can adjust to this new level of defenders coming at him. And as I said earlier, big man is the hardest position in basketball. I'm not overly concerned at this point. Um you, you just can't teach a lot of things that Marvin Bagley can do, and you can't teach a player to play with the fight that he does. Um, but I, I don't see any real reason for additional optimism in these two games. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still also wondering if he's going to be a a positive team player, or if he's going to be that zero. Was it what do they call it? The zero calorie stat guy, just because he he doesn't he he also doesn't make the read for the pass. And that's another thing that I noticed. I mean, zero assists in this first game. And I'm not asking this guy to, you know, to average three assists. It's just there were times where he, I, I believe it was Frank Mason in the corner for a three, and it's, he kind of just overlooked him or waved him to like go to the top so he can have a post game where you you know he wants to be overly aggressive. And again, it's summer league. Maybe that's what they're telling him to do. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna knock him for it. It's just something that I'm taking note on. Because that was also a concern going into the draft, so that's def- definitely going to be something interesting to watch as this, you know, summer progressives going into the, you know, Vegas summer league, and then like you said, into the preseason, and the preseason, and then into the regular season. Uh, another player that I want to talk about is Frank Mason the third. This guy, I mean, he stays being impressive. 16 points, nine assists in the first game, and then no De'Aaron Fox today. Uh, I'm pulling up the stats right now for today's game. I think he had the same thing, like 16 points. Yeah, 16 and 5 today. Yeah, 16 and 5 with four rebounds. I mean, he, he's a smart basketball player. I he he's got he's got definitely going to have a role 
on this team. I, I think he he's definitely found what he is, and that is just a smart, you know, short basketball player that stays aggressive and stays hungry at all times. Are you excited for Frank Mason this upcoming season? Because I'm pretty excited for him. I love the way he plays. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I think he's an excellent uh, off-the-bench kind of microwave guy. And like you said, he's never going to really kill your team. Um, there's certainly uh, a, a level of... He had eight assists yesterday and five assists today, so I can't knock him too hard on this, but I think he does still get tunnel vision when he's driving to the basket. Oh, yeah. Which is funny because... He wasn't really that much of a rim runner in college, and you could really see him working on it last year, and I think he's gotten overly aggressive taking it to the basket because there were a certain number of drives in the half court where I wanted him to make the pass. Um, But like you said, you can't knock on a guy that's just that consistent, that bulldog all game long. And he was one of the real bright spots today. It felt like every couple of possessions he had a breakaway layup so that's great to see yeah I, I love the way he drives to the rim i just sometimes he just drives to the rim with his head down a little too low <laughs> but he but you there you do see the signs at times where he can make that read where it's the driving kick in the corner or that pass that he made where he drove baseline hard and then bagley slid over when his defend when bagley's defender came down he found him in that little pocket pass and then bagley got the dunk in the third quarter of game 1 against the lakers i mean the signs are there to where he can like you said be that microwave guy for the kings and i i can see him having that nice you know one-two punch with him and Buddy Heald off the bench as just two offensive guys that if the offense and offense in the starting lineup isn't really working out, you bring those two guys in, they heat it up a little bit, get the crowd going, and you know give you something to cheer about because I definitely feel like they know how to put the ball in the hole. Justin Jackson has drew up. Everybody a, was ready to bury him yesterday, and yeah, pretty damn good tonight. Yeah, everyone was ready to say this guy's not an NBA player. Uh, this guy is not good at all. Uh, where's Justin Jackson was a lot of questions that I got on my Twitter timeline. And then today, against the Warriors, 20 points, 5 rebounds on 7 of 11 shooting, 4-4 four four from the free throw line, he knocks down two three-pointers. Where are you with Justin Jackson? <laughs> that's that's the only way I could ask that question. <laughs> Just where are you with him? Well, the Kings certainly need him. He, he plays a position that they pretty much don't otherwise have on the roster. Um, so it's great to see him have this kind of bounce back game, but I'm pretty low on Justin Jackson. I was after his rookie year. Uh, there's just too much invisibility in his game. He was completely absent yesterday, and it's good to see him come back out here tonight with extra confidence and a very balanced offensive attack. Had a nice uh, collection of different scoring avenues, threes, good layups, a really nice turnaround jumper. Uh, So that's good to see, but I just need to see it every night for the rest of this summer league before I'm going to believe that he's anything more than a fringe 10th man on this roster. Yeah, the the only positive I had from today's game, even though it was the 20 points, was that he did it in multiple different areas. He wasn't stuck to just trying to find the corner three or trying to do that little floater, which last year when everyone saw those floaters, everyone was excited. But, you know, if you watched the game enough, you knew those floaters weren't going to be effective that much on the NBA floor, and it wasn't. It just wasn't there for him. So it's good to see that he's he's able to score in multiple different ways now and, like like he said, a more balanced 
attack uh, in today's game against the Warriors. Like you said, though, I'm I want to be high on him. He has such a positive attitude. Uh, he, I mean, it, it seems like he knows what he's supposed to do out there. He just doesn't do it in a aggressive way or in a an elite way. There's nothing that he's elite at. You know, with Fox, it's an elite speed. With Bagley, yeah. it's elite athleticism. Giles, elite potential. I mean, there's there's a lot to say about Giles. Uh, I mean, th- there's just nothing that I look at Jackson and say he's elite at this one thing. He's just okay or good all around. And if you're going to have that, that can't be your starter. And the worry, the thing that worries a lot of Kings fans is that, like you said, he fills a position of need. And if this is the player that you're going to fill that need with, you're you're kind of just not filling in with anything because he could disappear on you and he can get scored on so easily. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with Justin Jackson. Like, I don't know if he's going I don't know if he's going to find a role on this team and I don't know what his role is on any team unless he starts picking up and be I, I think he just needs to become more of an aggressive player, more of a gritty player, and I don't know if he has that in him. That's 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 been my biggest takeaways from him, both from his rookie year and seeing him now. Yeah, I agree with you on pretty much all of that. The big thing is you just got to see him take a step some way this year. Um, I mean, at the very basis, basic, he needs to provide knockdown shooting from the corners when he's open. Uh, he just can't be a, a, a negative floor spacer and still see the floor on this day. I want to talk to you about... <laughs> I got to talk to you about this because I, I want to get to free agency and we're going to get to that because I, I told the fans that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about these first two games. I think we summed it up pretty well. There's still a lot to be had there. Uh, it's unfortunate that Fox won't be in the Vegas Summer League. Uh, he's questionable for Thursday. I'm excited to see what Giles and Bagley and I want to see the impress. I want to see a step from Jackson. But I got to talk to you about another thing before we get to free agency. And that is Boogie Cousins. <laughs> just I mean we don't have to talk about it too long he's not a part of the Kings but he is a part of everyone's heart in Sacramento yeah. and uh, you know what I'm, I'm really happy for Boogie he deserves this um, Bo- Boogie signs a deal with the Warriors if, if you missed out on that mid-level exemption 5.2 million dollars he is signed with the Golden State Warriors and like you said I'm happy for him I applauded him I, tw- I tweeted on Twitter tweeted it on Twitter that didn't sound right. I don't know why that sounded weird to me. Uh, but I tweeted it out there that, you know, no one offered him anything. They didn't offer him a contract once free agency began. So he saw that as an opportunity to say, hey, you guys don't want to pay me. Let me get healthy. This team wants me to get healthy. They're going to pay me to get healthy. And on top of that, I'm going to get my ring because I've been dying to play in the playoffs. And then I'll be a free agent next year. And then you'll have to pay me. And then I'll also be a champion at the same time. I applaud Boogie for it. That's that's a positive step. Although there was a little part of me that was kind of hoping he was going to find his way to Washington after they got rid of Gortat, just because I wanted to see him with John Wall. But the fact that that Boogie has said he's the third splash brother, and he's there, I'm happy for. Him. That's that. I just I just had to, I had to talk about Boogie in a podcast. But Brian, I want to let you talk about it. what what were your thoughts when you heard that Boogie went to Golden State? No, I completely agree. Fantastic for Boogie. Uh, it's it's hard not to be happy for him um it's a lot better than seeing him in lakers purple that's pretty much all i'll say were you were you or, or did you get anybody on twitter that said he was a 
uh, Trader or anything yeah. like that because I, I don't know. I, I got that like two or three times. And I was like, I don't see how you see that. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, maybe if he went to the Lakers, or maybe even yeah. the Clippers, because of how much the, that rivalry was between him and Chris Paul. But I don't see him going to the Warriors as being a trader move by any means. No, absolutely not. The moment that the franchise traded him, fans can't be mad at him doing anything that makes sense for him basketball wise. Go get your ring, Boogie. That's all that matters. Bryant West of Sacktown Royalty joins the Kings Court here on Dash Radio. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we are talking free agency. Who should the Kings target? Who could they target? And who should they target? That's next after the break. Are you an avid DFS player? Maybe you're new to the fantasy world and you want help on the game. No matter your level, FanCaveDFS.com has all the information you need to get a leg up on the competition and start winning big money today. Become a premium member at FanCaveDFS and gain exclusive access to pro charts, open forums between you and FanCave's pro riders, and so much more. Become a premium member now and let FanCaveDFS.com help make you a winner. Hey friends, it's Joe Borelli from the Superflight NBA podcast here. If you're looking for some NBA news that's a little off the beaten path, you might want to check out the Superflight. I have great guests from around the league to talk about all the latest NBA topics. But if you're craving some art, music, and general existential nonsense as well, I got you covered there too. Check out the Superflight podcast on iTunes or anywhere you download your podcasts. Or go to ABPN and subscribe. And thanks for tuning in. Now back to your show. And we're back. Bryant West. Sacktown Royalty, the Couch Scout. I'm, <laughs> I want to try. I want to get that trend. I want to get that trending. I know you're already the oh, you, you, on Twitter. I think you're the Armchair Scout, right? I'm gonna change it to the Couch Scout. I like yeah. it. I think I got it now. I, you got to trademark it. It's yours. Well, uh, I don't even watch the games in, in an armchair. I watch them on my couch, so that makes more sense. Perfect. See, there you go. Uh, I watch it in an armchair. I'm not gonna lie. Well, it's a recliner. It's a rec- like a rocking chair type thing, but. Yeah, anyways. Uh, free agency is upon us, and everybody is making moves. We just talked about Boogie Cousins before the break. Uh, LeBron James is headed to L.A. Uh, Ersani Lisova signed with the Bucks. You know, there's all these little moves. And the Kings are quiet. And I feel like they're a little too quiet. And there's still some names out there, especially in the free agency market, where you have guys like Jabari Parker and Zach Levine. And the Kings have been tied to both those names. Brian, if you are the Kings, what are you doing in free agency? Who are you targeting right now? Maybe it's not even the names I just mentioned of those two, but who are you thinking of or who should they target in your mind right now? Well, I've never been a huge fan of big value contracts for either Jabari Parker or Zach Levine. Uh, For Parker, it's the injury concern. And uh, with Levine, it's the position, positional log jam I think he creates. But if the option is either burn the cap space or sign one of those two guys, I'm at the point where I think the Kings should just add the talent and cross your fingers that it works out. Because, I mean, they're one of the only teams with cap space this year. And every team's going to have cap space next year. So whether it's signing one of those two guys or snagging a first-round pick to absorb some bad salary – and the Kings just got to do something. They can't just sit on this money and expect that they can make some moves next summer. 
when the team is going to struggle and they're not going to have a pick to, you know, kind of add value going forward. So um, either one of those guys, I think, gives some level for optimism, but I'm not incredibly high on adding either. If you had the choice between Parker or Levine, they said they called you up. Vladi calls you up. He says, Bryant, you're the couch scout. Who should we sign a, sign to a lucrative offer? Zach Levine or Jabari Parker? What name do you give him? Uh, I'm taking Jabari Parker only because I think it's easier um, to fit him in with the team's needs defensively. Um, I like Zach Levine on offense because this team could certainly use more three-point shooters, but your best three youngsters are all guards, and while I think the Kings should just play Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, in, at the 2-3 spot and just accept playing small, Zach Levine would just be redundant with those two guys on defense. He, he's got the same defensive range as as De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Bogey. Um, and if you're going to use such a big chunk of your cap space, I'd rather it be somebody who can hopefully cover a defensive range that you don't already have covered on your on your roster. And to me, that would be more wing slash forward because I think at the end of the day, if you're bound and determined to play Bagley and Harry Giles next to each other, you know, there's still some redundancy with Jabari Parker, and it's not like he's been a consistent defender. He was better in the playoffs than I think uh, he was that I'd seen him up to that point. His series against Boston was pretty good. Um, but while I think he's more of a power forward, he's certainly better at guarding, you know, the, the bigger small forwards than I think any one of Heald, Bogdanovich, or Zach Levine would. So if I had to gamble on one of those guys, I'm just going to go in on Jabari Parker, hope he stays health, healthy, and hope he actually can guard, you know, the bigger wings that, the Kings right now cannot guard. I agree. I'm going with Parker of the two that I would rather see the Kings go after. I think Parker, like you said, fills a positional need. I think he can fill both forward spots, both as the three and the four, and more of the four than the three. Just And I, and I like the versatility of being able to play next to Giles and next to Bagley, depending on how they want to run that uh, and going with that, that complete small ball lineup because it seems like that they really do want to push the tempo, at least here in summer league they do. Um, if they if that carries over into the regular season, a lineup with Jabari Parker at the four and Bagley potentially at the five, or even Giles at the five. Giles is quick uh, at the five. I think it would be something fun to watch. But even to have him at the three, like you said, I think he's a better defender at the three than most most people give him credit for. I'm not saying that he's a great defender there, but I'm saying he's more of. A, Aaron Gordon's a good defender. He's capable of guarding the three, but it, it, I look at them as the exact same player. Like they should be fours. And this league, they should be power forwards, but they are capable of playing the small forward position at times. And I think if you're going to sign anyone, I think Jabari Parker fills that. I also think the ceiling is higher between the two of them. I think if healthy, Jabari Parker's ceiling is something that is something to it's franchise setting. I can say that that's what I, I think the ceiling for Jabari Parker's franchise setting, especially if his jump shot can be as consistent as it was when the game is on during that Boston series like no one expected him to knock down three-point shots he there was a there's a quote where he basically said 
put me in the game, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing it, but I I remember reading a report in the playoffs where he says you have to put me in the game. Tolles coach, put me in the game. He comes in there and starts knocking down three point shots, putting up buckets in that Boston series, and you want that type of player on your team. And I think Jabari can bring that every single night. He's a player that has playoff experience, and you know has that grit, and and I I think that would be a perfect fit on this young Kings team, especially since he's still a young player. Yeah. Was Zach Levine? Oh, go ahead. Not even twenty four yet. Yeah, I mean, a young player, young guy. Zach Levine, with him, I agree with you. The position is it, it's, it's definitely redundant. You're going to have Fox, you're going to have Mason, you're going to have Buddy, you're going to have Bogdan. They all basically play that same exact position. I I see why the Kings would want to attack him, though. And me, you and I talked about this prior to the show. The, the talent that he has, being able to be a high-flying dunker, uh, and the, the fact that he can shoot the ball, he has in the gym range, whether you like it or not, he can shoot the basketball from wherever. It might not go in all the time, like Curry's, but he can shoot the ball. He's a hard worker, no matter who you talk to, whether it be from the bull, uh, the wolf side or the bull side, or from you know just national media. And, and someone asked me, who was the last person in national media that said that? Kevin Arnovitz. Kevin Arnovitz was on the Low Post, and he said that same thing about Zach Levine. He was the last person because I just recently listened to that podcast. Uh, anyways. He has he he is such a hardworking young player who has been in this league for I believe four years now, and he's just now turning twenty four. He's younger than Buddy Heald. He and Buddy Heald remind me of the same exact player, except one's not a high flyer and the other one is. But I think again the talent that he has puts puts fans in seats. I think he's such a big name that the Kings or front office is gonna want to take a gamble on, and I also think that the potential for him is all star. And when you're a young team like this Kings team, you need to take risks. Uh, I, I always say risk it to get the biscuit. I always say bet on Dragon. And if they believe Zach Levine is that player, and it seems like that they're they're pretty high on Zach Levine, they're, I can I can I can understand why they take that risk. In a lineup, let's say I mean if you stagger it where you have a Fox Levine as the one and two with Bogdanovich. Bagley and Giles as your starters. You take Levine out first. You bring in Buddy, and then you take out Fox and bring in Levine. And Levine and Buddy are your, you know, running the ship as uh, at the on on the uh, the bench unit with like Shumpert at the three, and Scal and Willie at your four and five. I mean, that's a it's an interesting team. I'm not saying it's a good team. I'm not saying it's a bad team, but it's an interesting team, and it's definitely a fast team. And I think that's what they're going for. They're going for positionless basketball. They talk about it all the time. Talk about Kings 2.0. Maybe that's why they're looking at Zach Levine by all these reports, why they're so interested in him. Again, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with that. I, how I, I like that idea. Again, I'm with you. I think Jabari Parker should be that guy. But I understand the interest in Zach Levine. Do you see the interest as well? I'm not as high on either one of those guys as you are. Um, I don't think that either of them really has franchise-altering levels of talent. A healthy Jabari um, does, in my opinion. But I, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I believed it when Jabari came into came out of Duke. Uh, but there's just too many question marks. He had, you know, one really good season, and that was only 50 games long. Um, he's averaged, I think it was mid 30s in actual games played, uh, and and he never was. Uh, let's see, what is this number? It's not just talking my talk out of my butt. Yeah. Um, let me pull, let me just remind everyone. Percentage is fifty four percent. I mean that's not great. Um, I mean that's not bad either. 
Uh, and I'm certainly not as high on Zach Levine. I think he's an excellent, uh, you know, kind of floor spacing, electrifying kind of guy. And, and if he's got that work ethic that everybody says he is, sure, that's the kind of guy you want to add to the locker room. But, I mean, he's expecting a decent payday. And um, I, I just don't know that a smart team is going to wrap up so much of their uh, cap space now and future cap space in their um, shooting guard position. It's just it's hard to build forward when, you know, I think their four best players at that point would all be six five or shorter. So uh, positional redundancy is what worries me most. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree with you. I think Jabari Parker is the one that I would choose. I think I, I'm not high on either of them either. I think that they definitely should have targeted a Will Barton, a Trevor Ariza, who signed with Phoenix over a $15 million. <laughs> I'd rather have Zach Levine or Jabari Parker over both those guys. I'm just saying, I think you could have found a deal to where you have them for one year because neither one of those restricted free agents in Levine or Parker are going to be just one-year deals. And yeah. the market next year with small forwards, on, like small forwards on the free agency market next year are much it's, – it's a much wider scale. Than there is this one. This one it was very small. Like all of the small forwards that were that were free agents are basically gone. Tyreek is gone. Will Barton's gone. Ariza, Mario Hazonia went to the Knicks, and you know, like yeah. there there's nobody there now to where the Kings are kind of stuck with this Garrett Temple, Shumper, Justin Jackson, Bogdanovich like mishmash of undersized small forwards that they're gonna have to just throw out there. Because I think they've, they were hoping to land one. None of them came, and I don't know how aggressive they are right now. Because as of right now, if you're looking at it, they haven't been aggressive at all. Uh, I still think there's trades that could happen. Uh, but again, I, we've talked about this before. And I think we talked about it on, on our draft pod. The value of a lot of these players on this Kings team is not very high unless you're packaging them with the young core. And of the young core, and, and when I say the young core, I always think of it as Buddy, Bogdan, Fox. Bagley and Giles. That's the young core. I, I, unless you're tagging one of them along in a deal, I don't know what you can get back in return. The only player I thought that they were going to go after was from Denver for a pick. I thought they were going to try and get Wilson Chandler, and now that's off the table because Philly just did that. Well, so. I think I think they still could make some kind of deal with Denver because Denver's still in the luxury tax even after they traded um, Wilson Chandler, uh, and they still have their first round pick. So I don't think that's a lost cause. But who, for, but the the only one that would get out of that because I think I, I read about this just recently. I think it was on the Mile High blog thing or the guys over there. They they do really good work. I'm sorry that I butchered that, but uh, they they want to tag that along with a Fareed deal because no one really wants Fareed. So they want to keep that first round pick to tag him along, so they can try and also keep Mason Plumley because I don't know what other small forwards they have there that where they would you know offer it to the Kings. I mean, if if the option offer is take next year's first round pick and you got to take Kenneth Fareed, uh, I don't care about positional redundancy at that point. I might do that, just because the West is so stacked that you know one of these teams is going to fall out of the playoffs. Maybe it's Denver. I don't know. I think uh, taking on one, I think Kenneth Fareed expires next year. Yep, it's just a one year deal. Yep. Uh, you know what? If the Kings can't get. Anybody with that cap space, I'd so much rather they uh, go and, and you know try to fit Kenneth Reed in for whatever minutes they can, or just 
cut him and let him go sign with a better team and get a first-round pick out of the deal, yeah, that's an easy easy swap for me. Uh, before we move on to fan questions here, Brian, is there any other names out in free agency that you think that the Kings could target or should target? Pretty much everybody I had my eye on is gone, uh, and I'm not going to pretend to know too much of the smaller names to, to pull somebody up. Um, I will say one thing in Summer League that I'm waiting to see is for them to give uh, Wayne uh, Gabriel from Kentucky some real minutes because he was a guy I thought was going to make some real noise on the Summer League team, plays a position of need, uh, really solid defender at the wing position for Kentucky last year. I hope we see him get some more minutes in the next couple of games because uh, I think he can be a, a, a solid deal kind of guy you know 15th guy gets a contract out of the uh out of training camp but they're not playing him so far so obviously they don't agree yeah i i i i thought that you know there was a lot of potential names out there it worries me that i, I feel like the kings are going to try and go after like a smaller name maybe like a shabazz muhammad or oh. I, what was that yeah, that's painful yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. The, the the market is just so small that I I mine the names that I had are are basically gone. I think it's a, it's going to come down to either a trade, Levine or Parker. I unless there's something else in the woodworks that I don't know about. I mean, there's veterans out there like a Joe Johnson. I thought they. I even thought when when everybody was gone and I started looking at like who was still available, I thought they were going to go after Doug McDermott, and then that didn't even happen. So. Uh, it's gonna, like I said, it's gonna be an interesting time to see what the Kings are actually going to do in free agency. Uh, but we'll see. I want to hear from the fans. You guys tweeted us and let us know who you have your eye on, your thoughts on Levine, your thoughts on Parker. Who would you rather have of the two, or would you rather just see them go after a trade, maybe with Denver to get Kenneth Farid and a first round pick back? You guys let us know on Twitter at VM Center, and then for Brian, it's at BS West Five. Now, speaking of Twitter, I. Ask the fans before we started recording here, Brian, to send in any fan questions that they might have had. Uh, and we got a couple. And so before we wrap this up, we have a couple minutes here. Uh, I thought it would be good to, to answer some of these questions. So this first one comes from Rob. It says, what is your best guess for the starting five on opening night for the Kings? Just how good do you think Giles could be? It's actually two questions there. So, Brian, what do you? what's your best guess for the starting five? Do you think Bagley and Giles start opening night or... Do you think that Jaeger goes kind of with some of his veterans? I think one of those two guys starts. Um, I bet it's Marvin Bagley just to, you know, let Harry Giles get some more normal basketball minutes under his foot uh, before he gets a starting job. I bet Marvin Bagley starts with Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, and otherwise, I think Fox and Bogey probably start. If I was Dave Jaeger, I would start Buddy Heald there just because, you know, at that point you just got to play your best players. Um, but I imagine he'll probably start Garrett Temple just so that he actually has a veteran in there. So I would say Fox, Bogey, uh, Garrett Temple, uh, Marvin Bagley, and Willie Cauley-Stein. I'm going to say that same exact lineup with the potential chance that it's Justin Jackson. I, 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 I just <laughs> see that that could happen. The Kings are going to go young, and I, and I think they're just going to throw out all their young guys and say, basically a wash year. I don't know. I I could be wrong. They, I mean, they should be playing to win, but the West just got even more stacked with LeBron going to LA. I think they're just going to say it's a wash year. And again, play all of their young guys. 
Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they, they surprise us. Maybe it's Shumpert in the starting line. On, right now, honestly, I, could, I couldn't even tell you what the starting five would be, but I'm going to go with you. Temple. Temple with the potential chance of it being Justin Jackson. Uh, uh, second part of that question was just how good do you think Giles could be? Um, I think Giles can be a really, really good player. Um, there was no doubt coming out of high school that he, the dude had multi-level talent as a scorer, as a passer, and he's certainly shown a proclivity for high-effort defense which in, in these last two games, which leads me to believe that, you know, even if it's summer league, it's you can't get too excited, but uh, if he keeps up that effort level, there's no reason why a guy with that length and quickness can't be a incredible defensive player. Uh, so I think, you know, his top, top ceiling is a, a, uh, an all-star caliber player. Um, it's impossible to for me to predict that after two ga- summer league games. Um, but I think that's the very tip of his ceiling. Uh, next question comes from Bogvin Bog. Bogovic. That's interesting. <laughs> Where's Justin Jackson? Uh, hey, he showed up tonight. Yeah, he showed up. He showed up. Uh, yeah. he's, he's at summer league. He's right where he is. He, he, he's always just a. I mean, especially last year, he's an inconsistent guy. He's got to show these last six games that he really can be consistent. Is it is it mean to say that for Halloween he should dress up as Waldo? <laughs> No, that's pretty much his, his, who he's been on the basketball court so far. So I think that would be pretty on the nose for him. <laughs> Last question comes from Jesus Wenceslau. Hopefully I pronounced that last name right. Thank you for your question. It says, how worrying is it that Bagley is so left-hand dominant? P.S. I already miss Luca. <laughs> I'm not thinking about Luca. I'm thinking <laughs> about Marvin Bagley. And for his at least first-year offense, that reliance on his left hand is a real problem. Um, like I said, it's, it's pretty much everything. He's catching passes that he should catch with his right with his left because he's just so used to doing everything with that left hand. Um, so it just means that we have to be patient with him going forward. And uh, I, it, we can't halfway through the year judge him on who he is at that point. Because you didn't draft Marvin Bagley for who he is right now. Well, don't don't tell that to Vladi. Because Vladi no. says he can play small forward right now. And I, I, I tried to tell Vladi before the before the draft. <laughs> I wrote it all out for him. <laughs> no, I'm not. I I'm gonna. I, I'm I'm kind of worried about it. I'm not gonna say I'm uh, extremely worried about it. Uh, but he is definitely left hand dominant. Uh, he's he's gonna need to get to that left hand to be a force on offense. I think I, I I I'm I'm worried. I'm not gonna be overly worried yet. Again, it's just been two preseason games. It's gonna be nice to see how he develops. You're again, like you said, you're playing for the what he can be potentially, and I think what he's showing you that he could be potentially is definitely someone that's gonna bring you the energy, bring you the grit, bring you that that fight every single night. Uh, he's gonna bring you excitement, and I think we saw that in that dunk with that energy. So. I'm not worried yet, but I'm a little worried. I'm not extremely worried yet, but I'm a little worried. There you go. That's what I meant to say. All right, Brian, that has been our time. But before I let you go, where can the fans find you online? And any final thoughts before this uh, summer league at the Golden One Center ends and looking forward into Vegas? 
Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at BSWest5. I'm going to keep doing summer posts over at Sacktown Royalty. We've got a bunch of good summer league coverage coming up. So uh, just looking forward to the next couple of games and seeing how the Kings use that cap space. Yes, follow him at BSWest5. Check out all of his work at SacktownRoyalty.com. Jump in their fan post. Of course, after going there, you guys can also check out SackKingsNation.com for all of your in-depth coverage of the Sacramento Kings. You guys can follow me on all social media platforms of at VM Center. This show, the King Score, is on Dash Radio every single Monday at 5 a.m. If you're listening to the podcast version, this will again replay on Dash Radio at 5 a.m. Monday mornings. I want to thank Brian once again for coming on the show. Thank all of you for listening. Thanks to all of our sponsors for sponsoring this show. And until next time, Sacramento Kings fans, bye-bye.